Once again, we are on the road in a familiar location where the smell of coffee is always in the air. Either that or the smell of incense. One of the two, but always one of the two. We are with Father Michael Rainier at Epiphany of Our Lord Parish in South St. Louis City. Father, good to be with you today. Uh, good to be here. What if I came up with a coffee-scented incense? That might just make heads explode. I don't know. But, you know, Father, it's a morning drive time show, and this is a very controversial topic. As, as we well know, sitting here today, you have your French press. I have my macchiato that I got from the uh, local coffee shop that's not really local because it's a chain. But th- this is a great debate as we start our morning. Many of us are turning towards our cup of coffee. So before we dive into the spiritual matters, I just want to ask, what is the proper way to prepare a cup of coffee. Oh, you're trying to get the whole audience mad at me right now? <laughs> so yes, yes right. that's exactly it. <laughs> so I'm going to go into a, a coffee snob routine, and you're going you're gonna to be flooded with complaints. Uh, what's the proper way to make a cup of coffee? Well, I, I think that you can make whatever you, you like, right? So hot, cold, put cream in it, put sugar in it. Doesn't doesn't matter. No judgment here. But just make sure you're buying a high-quality coffee bean, Make sure it's local, support local economies. Uh, don't go through the local drive-through and get what you got this morning. My, my, <laughs> I was so disappointed when you came <laughs> so distraught. We're gonna get through it because we're friends, but this is definitely stressing our, I think our relationship right now. So I'm gonna maybe go and do some prayer after, after we talk, pray for your soul, maybe hand you a bag of coffee. <laughs> you I'll, I'll go do some reparations, <laughs> right, and, and exactly. we'll get back on a, on a exactly. good Exactly, I'll pray a litany for you. <laughs> All right, but you, you're a French press guy. I tend to make French press just because I drink so much coffee. So you can do a pour over, which is very nice, but that really makes one cup at a time. And I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking eight to ten cups a morning here in, in this in the Epiphany Rectory. So I need to make greater quantities at a time. I also have a really beautiful espresso machine that a generous parishioner donated to me. So I'll pull some shots of espresso in the morning to really get amped up for mass. All right. Now, I start with coffee because I know, you know, some parishes, they have what we call Donut Sunday, and, and others have coffee after Mass. Here at Epiphany, you have coffee after every Sunday morning Mass. We, we do have, after able. the 10.30. After the yeah. 10.30, okay. But every Sunday. Every Sunday. Every Sunday, yes. there's coffee after Mass. And today, our topic, we're, we're actually going to be talking about feeling alone. And as you preached on this recently, one of the first things you encouraged people to do was, if, if you're a person that thrives on loneliness, whether you're that reclusive teenager that just thinks, oh, no one in the world cares about me. I'm going to hide in my room forever and ever. Or like yourself, you're, you're a member, a card-carrying member of the Introverts Club. Um, push yourself to maybe go have that cup of coffee after Mass and meet some fellow parishioners or join the Bible study because you posit that there, there's a, a right way to be alone and a wrong way to be alone. And I want to start there. What, what are you even talking about when you say, get out of your shell and come meet some people? Don't just hide on your own. Right. So I've explored both ways of being alone, uh, the, right, the right way and the wrong way. Uh, I am very, very introverted. Uh, in high school, in college, uh, it was a defensive uh, sort of technique because I, I didn't like the idea of being vulnerable. I didn't like the idea of forming friendships that might then break apart and into disappointment, right? Because I, I felt those things very deeply. And when I make a friend, I want you to be my friend for life. 
I don't like very transitory friendships. And so in order to avoid some of that vulnerability, uh, I would just be very much alone. I'd sit in my room. I would dream about how no one truly understood me. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, no one likes me. Uh, I would... I would really feel the pain and the alienation of it. It was all very fraught, very teen, like teen angst sort of thing, but still very serious. And I think if we're not careful, we don't grow out of it. And so we go through life feeling very uh, tentative and disconnected from other people, and we don't form authentic relationships. It's a way of minimizing the pain of friendships, but then also we lose so much because we don't get the good aspects of it. Uh, and then on the other, the other hand, we have people who are terrified of being alone ever. So they always want to be in a crowd. They're always wanting to find something to do, some, some distraction, some entertainment, even if it's simply, I can't get a friend to hang out with me, so I'm going to turn the TV on just so I have background noise, so I don't feel alone, right, when I'm in my kitchen in the morning, that sort of thing. Because people are, are very reluctant to experience that alone time because we don't always know how to do it in a healthy way. We, we feel like we depend on other people and we depend on being part of a crowd for our self-validation. And so that's, those, those are sort of the wrong ways of going about it. But then on the other hand, we have this example of our Lord, who in the Gospels constantly goes off. He's sort of in and out of crowds. Uh, the Gospel from uh, a couple weeks ago that I was talking about was he had just confected uh, this great miracle of feeding the 5,000, which is this uh, sign, right, of the Eucharist that would come later, which is the sacrament of unity. So when we receive it, we are the, the, the opposite of being alone. We are united with, with God. We are united with the body of Christ, with our brothers and sisters. And what does our Lord do after this great miracle? He leaves and, and he's alone. <laughs> right, right. right. So, so we see that he's sort of placing those two, those two concepts side by side, and he's saying they're almost the same thing. Whether you're with your brothers and sisters or whether you're alone with God, you're not lonely. Well, I, I want to get to that right way to be alone in a minute here, but we're coming up against a break that we need to take. So I, I want to ask this one question that really... We're living kind of in a dangerous place uh, of both sides of a coin now that technology has become so advanced that if I want to be perpetually alone and not interact with anyone, I can pretty much find almost everything I need except food and, uh, you know, maybe even I could find a job from my laptop or from my smartphone that I don't have to interact with the world. I could put my earbuds in and just keep my head down and, and go through life with minimal interaction uh, on the flip side of that, we, we talk about having real relationships. I could cultivate, I don't know how many thousands of superficial relationships through social media that I'm not really, I feel like I'm attaching myself to several people, but really how strong is that bond? Is, is the wind going to blow and something, you know, minor inconvenience is going to happen and all of a sudden that, that quote unquote friendship is, is gone? Um, it's a much different time we're living in than any other time in human history. Yeah, I think some of those relationships might be genuine, some might not be. But the point is they're all uh, friends of affinity, right? You find them because you, you share things in common, hobbies or an outlook on the world. Now go to your parish. There's a very diverse group of people. Some people might like you, some people might not like you, but we pray together, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. So how do we develop relationships with people and understand who they are, what they need prayers for, what they're struggling with if we don't know them? 
So pray together, have a cup of coffee together, get to know people. It's worth engaging in that struggle. And, and, and whether it's in an introverted way or an extroverted way, don't hide in your smartphone. Don't hide behind technology. All right, we're going to take a really quick break. We're with Father Michael Rainier at Epiphany Parish talking about the, the right way and the wrong way to be alone. We'll be back right after this. We are back visiting with Father Michael Rainier at Epiphany Parish, Roadmap on the Road this morning. So, Father, before the break, you were talking about the example our Lord gives. He has a great moment of unity foreshadowing the Eucharist and the feeding of the 5,000. And then what does he do? He withdraws to be alone. And this is actually a frequent occurrence in the Gospels that he will do something and then he will go. And even he'll go with the 12 and he'll go a little bit farther to be away from the 12 even, to go pray, to recharge. And we talk about our fear of being alone, and yet should we be afraid of something that our Lord very clearly embraced was the idea that we will be alone from time to time. It gets very real when you're alone for an extended length of time. So each year I go in my uh, retreat, all the priests go on a five-day retreat each year, and I always make sure mine is alone absolutely alone. So for five days, I'm just out there. I usually go to a place out in the country, a big piece of property, and I just walk around, (laughs) and and I I look at the sky, and I look at the lake, and I read books, and I say my prayers, and I, I simply think about what it means to be alone, and I find it very difficult, very, very difficult. Uh, as an introvert, I can be very happily alone for a day or two at a time, but then I, I start to, to really question right, my, my connection with other people, and I start to turn inwards, and I start to think about myself, and that's where it gets real. Who am I? Why am I here? What's my relationship with God? What does it mean you know, to, to one day die? And these, there's these questions that sound very silly, you know, sitting here in my office on a beautiful you know, morning and, and chatting with friends and having a cup of coffee. But the questions are, are worth asking. And we often don't ask them or we don't feel them deeply enough or we don't find that motivation until we're alone. And it's not easy, but I always come out of those refreshed because I've done some real work. It would not be a Father Rainier homily if there was not some philosopher or poet quoted and in the homily that you preached on this topic, you, you quoted the poet Vittoria Colonna, who wrote, If I am seized with love for you when I hear you in the trees and fall to my knees alone, all other loves being gone, what then will my weak heart do when my inner ear hears your soft vo- voice spoken in the quiet music of the sky, which told and still tells of a world wholly true, where the steady rhythm is never broken and the heavenly sound never grows old. You imagine the poet wandering alone in the whispering pines, listening, hearing God in the solitude. That sets the stage for us. But what is the instruction? You know, Because when I try to go be alone, beautiful poetry like that does not emanate forth from Adam Wright. What are we to do? How are we supposed to be alone? What is the right way? Oh, I don't, I don't know if there's a right way or a wrong way, but... Uh, What's the Rainier way? Oh, man. Oh, my, oh, my way's probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I go out and I just sit there, and I, I, I read a little bit, 
sometimes I sit there and I don't do anything. It's not all about what I have to be doing, but it's about just simply being there and letting God embrace you. And sometimes understanding it's okay to feel alone uh, because that feeling then drives us to turn towards God and to seek the meaning of our existence. Um, so I would, I would say that you don't want to structure it the time too much and you don't need to necessarily expect any great epiphanies or any great breakthroughs. It simply is time that you're spending alone with God. Um, our Lord would often uh, go onto a mountaintop or a deserted place in the wilderness and uh, I'm sure he spent a lot of time praying. Uh, but remember that praying doesn't mean that you're you know, saying Hail Mary after Hail Mary for five days straight, but sometimes prayerfulness is simply resting in the presence of God. So look for those ways in which God's love is reflected to you through whatever you're reading, whatever you're thinking about, through, uh, you know, the, the wind whispering through the pines and you're, you're hearing it. And uh, it, it's like the whole world has uh, a secret message that God has written into it for you. And we're striving and we're striving to see it. So you know how a child will take a prism and they'll hold it in the sunlight and they'll, they'll hold it and they'll, they'll, they'll fiddle with it and they'll move it just so very carefully and with great concentration until they, they get the rainbow. And that's what we're doing is we're trying to uh, filter through all the distraction, all of the, the human need to fill up our time with activities and, and distractions, and uh, just so because we're afraid to look at ourselves and to, to take that alone time. But if you take the time and you do the work and you hold that little shard of glass just so, right, then you see God's presence and you feel his love. And it might just be for a moment, but it's absolutely worth it. Our Lord had times we've said when he was alone, probably most notably though, the, the Via Crucis, the way of the cross. When all of his friends left him, they abandoned him. His mother tried to get as close as she could to him, but at times was not able. And, and you know, he dies alone on the cross, surrounded by people, but I mean, still, I would imagine emotionally just feeling. He even cries out in those words from the Psalms My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Uh, and yet we know that's not the final word, that we, we, in the end, you and I are not created to be alone. We, we think about our baptismal calling to one day when we die and, and we have our particular judgment and then the general judgment. If we've done things right, we've accepted the grace of God to work in our lives and we have that daily conversion, embrace the sacrament, so on and so forth. God willing, we're going to be in heaven, which is not, all right, Father Rainier, here's your isolated cell in heaven where you can blissfully be alone for the rest of eternity, but to be in communion. So if we take this time to be alone here on earth, how can we also use that time? You know, whether it's that retreat or even just you know, taking 10 minutes in the morning with a good cup of coffee sitting on the front porch or in the, the living room and having that time of quiet reflection, how can we take that and, and use it to send us into community here on earth? Yeah, so that's the, the paradox of being alone. As long as you're alone with God, you will never be lonely uh, because you are bringing him with you. You're bringing the great communion of saints with you. And if you're spending that time just allowing him to love you and to love him in return, you're drawing very close to his heart, the heart of Christ, right? Which at the cross, he's alone. 
Right? He's, he's lifted up. Everyone else has either fled or they're you know, down, down there at the foot of the cross. They're not experiencing what he experiences. He feels abandonment. But he's not lonely because in that moment, he's reconciling the world to himself. And so everyone that he loves is closer to him than ever. And they have the opportunity, we have the opportunity to draw closer to him than we ever had been before because of that saving work that he does. And so when we draw close to God, we begin to love what he loves. And we're drawn into, you, you, right, if you, if you picture it, we're being drawn into his arms and he's already holding, you know, this whole infinite, you know, uh, numberless uh, body of Christ, all these saints and uh, our deceased loved ones and people who are to come and, and so on. And, and we're all being held together. And our unity and our community uh, comes by all of us sort of joining with him in that moment. Well, there you have it, the... Roadmap to Heaven Guide to Being Alone or Not Alone, as the case may be. So whether you're sitting with a cup of coffee, you're driving with that cup of coffee this morning, uh, take some time today to be alone with God, and then take some time this week to be in the community of faith and, and just share that joy of the Lord, because after all, in the end, we are made for community um, that doesn't mean you have to rush out to some social situation that makes you really uncomfortable, but just being at Mass together, united in the Eucharist, is a wonderful, wonderful thing for all of us. Father, could I ask you to close our time with a prayer? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We will be back right after this.